Nation Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Now in verse 4, it talks about rejoicing. It says it's life. Then let your general spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. So Paul is talking to the uh, church of Philippi. Philippi. And he says the Lord is near. So yes, Paul did think that Jesus was coming back in that, uh, that century. We see that even throughout Scripture, even in Old Testament. That they were constantly, all the prophets, all the apostles, all the disciples, they were all thinking that the end time was right then in their day and time. Everybody was thinking it was their time, their day and that's a healthy way of thinking so that you won't get called unprepared. We have to be on our toes in that. Verse 6, it says, verse 6, be overly anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to Thea. So in other words, don't worry yourself to death, but take everything to the Lord in prayer. With being thankful for what you do already have while you're making your request. Amen. And then the peace of Theos, which surpasses all comprehension, regard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why? Why does it say the peace of fear, which is great, which surpasses all comprehension, guard your heart and your mind? Because of the word thanksgiving of there. That is totally connected with the word thanksgiving. You're making prayer requests that you're not being overly anxious, but you're being thankful. And if we have the mind and heart and soul of gratitude, then we can have peace, even though we're making requests for things that we don't yet have. We're not being disturbed. We're not being shaken by the fact that there is still need. Need more money, need more clothes, whatever the situation is. If we're grateful for what we already have, then we can have this peace. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good repute, a good reputation, reputation. If there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell, underline the word dwell, dwell on these things. Now, we have to think about our needs. We have to think about the end times. We have to think about what we have to prepare for. We have to think about so many negative things. We have to pay attention to what's going on in the news, how they are twisting the Bible verses, false doctrines, corruption in society, so many negative things we have to think about. And we have to acknowledge those things. We can't just ignore it. We can't just bury our head in the sand. But then 
after we acknowledge the need, after we acknowledge the things that are wrong, then we also acknowledge the things that are right. We acknowledge the things that are right beforehand and after. We always come back to the positive. We always eventually come back to the positive. That is the key. That is the secret. Amen. We all get frustrated. We all get weary from time to time. We all get down and distressed from time to time. We all get a little gloomy from all the negative news and all the despair and all the sin and wickedness in the world. But we always come back to the fact that God is God. God is true. God is faithful. God is just. And in the end, all darkness and all wickedness will be gone. Amen. We come back to that fact, that absolute truth of reality. In the end, goodness and light will conquer all evil. That gives us hope. Always look to the finish line. Always look to the finish line and fight and run and press toward that finish line with your eyes in sight on the finish line. While you're running the race, while you're walking, you will get hurt. You will stumble. You will fall. Get back up. You get back up on the horse. You would get achy joints, sore muscles, while you're running hard, while you're walking, while you're fighting your fight on the journey. But you'll press through all the heartache, all the mental stress, all the physical strain, through all the obstacles, the insults, the pressures, the trials, the tribulations. You'll press forward rather than giving up rather than turning back to your vomit like a dog. Always press forward toward Jesus, with your eyes on Jesus, the hope and faith of the kingdom. Dwell on these things, on the good things. Verse 9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and Paul, practice these things in the fields of peace for being. Amen. So think about all the sufferings of Paul, how he was shipwrecked and stoned and beaten, persecuted and thrown in prison over and over and over, backwards and everything. Yeah, he persevered. Amen. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity before. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content whatever circumstances exist. Whatever the circumstances are, to be content when there's not much food, to be content when you're being persecuted, mocked, and imprisoned, health issues, everything. Be content in whatever circumstances. You can still ask permission, you can ask for improvement, but you learn to be content with not having a lot. Learn to be content without having to keep up with the Joneses and so forth. Learn to be content with poverty, which all good people of the Lord see in poverty, not in riches, 
Because when we are followers of Jesus, we should always put others before ourselves. And if we put others before ourselves, then we will not be rich. But we will always be in poverty because we are always giving. Putting others before ourselves. Being the need. Being the need of the work. Being the need to buy Bibles, to distribute flyers, to print more flyers, to buy more ink, to buy more paper, to buy more Bibles ship more bottles, to get more boxes, to do more and more for the work and for the people in need. And in that situation, you are not going to have a lot. Unless the Lord really abundantly bless you, which he can and does sometimes, and that's okay too. But we turn it right back around and give it back to the Lord many times as well. Now in verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means. And also know how to live in prosperity. If any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So whatever the circumstance, in other words, whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley at that moment or that day, amen, we have to go to the valley. And sometimes God will bring us out of the valley, bring us up on the mountaintop for a while, let us enjoy good pasture, let us enjoy green grass and good rivers and good things of life for a while. But the nature of life, the reality of life, is we're not always on top of the mountain. The reality of life is many times we will pass through long, dry, desperate, desert valley. And there is not as much food, not as much water, not as much luxury. We all have to go through those times and those seasons. Those seasons are the best seasons. They toughen us, they strengthen us, they test us, and they prepare us for the kingdom. There are people in Africa and South America, some in Russia and China and different parts of the world, that live in those deserts year-round, that constantly, constantly suffer from lack of food, lack of medicine. Those people are the most passionate for the Word of God. That should say something. Why did Jesus tell at least once, uh, maybe even two times, those people to sell everything they have, give it away, give it to the poor? Because things you own, own you. The more luxury you have in this life, those things distract your attention from the most important things of life, other people, even the work of the gospel, spiritual Having lots and lots of luxuries and fleshly things distract us from the spiritual things. When we have nothing but our naked bodies and nothing else, then we are truly closer unto the Lord. That when we have things that separate us from God's spirit, materialistic things, 
They are distractions to us. They are distractions to the flesh and to the soul. We go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, that's just a couple pages left. Ephesians 5, verse 19 and 20. Ephesians 5, verse 19. Ephesians 5, verse 19, speaking to one another in songs and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord, worthy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Theosian Father. So we need to encourage one another also ourselves as well there's another verse somewhere that says encouraging yourself with these signs worship is powerful worship is needful worship is extremely important and I cannot over emphasize the importance of worship worship glorifies the Lord but gets our attention off from our misery, all from our sufferings, our worries, our fears, our pain, everything physically, mentally, emotionally that is wrong with us. When we put our mind on him, all that disappears for the most part. There is power and praise in so many different levels and so many and we can do that in order to encourage ourselves and in order to encourage others. And part of coming together in a fellowship, in a local gathering with one another, is not just for ourselves, but also for others. For others. Bless one another, to encourage one another, to hug one another, to to be there for each other, not just for ourselves to worship Him and learn, but to fellowship with one another. The fellowship is part of the seventh day of coming together as a family, as friends and family. To support one another and encourage them. So people should, when you get your own apartment, and when others start coming and they have their own apartment and they have their own house, kind of start coming together when you get a local congregation in your area. You should come to services at least at least thirty minutes, maybe even a high for service. And then after services, you should stay at least two hours, maybe three, four, five, seven hours, as much as possible after the service. Because fellowship, supporting one another, encouraging us, in there for each other, sharing what's going on with your family, your life, and everything, that is so 
and not only encouraging each other, but also singing songs and worshiping and being grateful to encourage ourselves because let's face reality that people will always look at that. That's just the reality. That people will always disappoint, always look it down. And your only true hope and your only true refuge is in Christ. You have to encourage yourself by singing songs. That does lift up the heart. That does distract you from your music, have your mind on what is good, what is positive, what is praise. That's only Christ Jesus. So encourage yourself and others to song and encourage others. Verse 20 says, always giving thanks. So the giving thanks and the song is related to Making melody, verse 19, making melody with your heart, the Lord, always giving thanks in all the things. Having gratitude being poured out, or bubbling up or springing forth, that gratitude, that rejoicement, the gratitude and rejoicing and the worship, they are a chain with every link tied together that cannot be broken, a good, thick, heavy metal chain. One link being gratitude, and the next one being rejoicement, the next one being praise. Amen. Gratitude, rejoicing, and praise. Forming a wonderful chain. Go to the book of Colossians, just a few pages over to the right. Two or three pages to the right, the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Colossians 2, verse 6. Colossians 2, verse 6. We're going to go from verse 6 down to verse 23. Colossians 2, verse 6. Paul says to the church at Colossia, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, live your life. Having been firmly rooted, you have to make for sure that you are firmly rooted and not be shaken out. And now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing, underlined overflowing with gratitude. Amen. So we should be overflowing with gratitude. What does that mean? What, 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 what does that mean? Overflowing with gratitude. That means things bubbling up out of you. You cannot control it. It's a flood. It is coming out. That's rejoicing. And that is worship. And that is praise. Amen. We should be overflowing with gratitude. And we should be overflowing with praise and rejoicing. 
We should be silly people. We should be dancing at Walmart. We should be dancing on the side of the road and yelling and screaming for the Lord. Amen. We should be overflowing, not being able to control how happy we are because of the Lord. And so many people in the world, remember, prepare yourself to the less blessed. So many people in the world don't have the they don't have salvation. They don't have hope of the future, of eternal life and the kingdom and paradise. So, if we know and comprehend how that the world right now is overflowing with darkness and evil and no hope, and then we have that hope, how much more we should be thankful for that that we have the hope, that we have the faith, the substance of things hoped for, that we have the Lord, that we have eternal life in us already, that we have the kingdom, that we have an inheritance, that we have a father. Amen. So many people don't. We have the father. We should be overflowing gratitude for these things. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and atheism and false doctrines and empty words that give no hope, that give no hope, religions that give no hope, ways of life that give no hope, and empty deception according to the tradition of men. Let no one take you captive through those things according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Right there tells you that the body of Christ was God. Amen. That God was in there. That the fullness of the spirit of the deity of God, of course not the whole fullness, because the whole fullness cannot sit on the earth. But what it really means is Christ was God. That's another, another, another verse. Amen. Verse 10, and in him you have been made complete. In him we have been made complete, or actually been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. He establishes kingdoms, he pulls down according to the book of Daniel. Every kingdom, every president, every king, every prime minister, even the wicked ones, is by his allowance and his appointment. He is the head over all rule and authority. Verse 11, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, without human hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of Theos who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgression and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us our transgression, having canceled out the certificate of debt, assisting of decrees against us, the judgment of eternal death in the lake of fire, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he disarmed the rulers and the authorities of the 
made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. But let no one condemn you in regard to food or alcohol or in respect to a fiesta or new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are the prophetic foreshadowing, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your crimes by delighting in the self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand and visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. Verse 19, and not holding fast to the head, but from the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with the growth which is us. If you have died with Christ for the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you set yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to the things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teaching of men? These are matters which, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body that are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Summary of everything we just read right there. Be thankful that you have Christ and the truth and the knowledge of the truth and holy days and the truth of these holy days. And keep staying in the truth. Keep staying in the truth. Continue to keep the holy days. Because there are people out there that would try to tell you that you should not enjoy life, that you should not keep the holy days of the king, that you don't have to obey God, but that you have to bit your flesh into submission by not enjoying food, not enjoying the holy days, not enjoying alcohol, not enjoying a feast, but you have to starve yourself to death. You have to fast, fast, constantly, constantly, constantly fast. Starve yourself and not celebrate and not rejoice. There are people like that. A lot of the Pentecostals go that way. These are people that would defraud you of the pride of Christ Jesus and that would steal from you doctrine of truth and steal from you joy. The Pentecostal people, some of them, would forbid you from going to the beach because you might see somebody in a bathing suit. They would tell you you cannot go to the beach because you should not be in a bathing suit. Or you might see someone. All this belongs And they are the philosophy of men, man-made religion. So be careful about such people. Do not let anybody remove the truth from you. And you need to be thankful, we need to be thankful, that we know the truth. Now this should not lead to pride. We should not be proudful about it when people are. And we should watch ourselves on that. Do not be proudful that you know the truth. Just be thankful. And do not let anybody take the truth from you. Just know this from you. Now let's go to chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 15. Chapter 3, verse 15. 15 through 7. Those verses. 
chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That means let the peace of Christ be in control. Let the peace of Christ rule. Praise the Lord. Let the peace of Christ be alpha in your hearts. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which, indeed, you were called. You were called. Amen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which, indeed, you were called. Amen. You were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name and authority of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Notice how it repeats, thanks, thanks, thanks. Giving thanks through him, goes the Father. Amen. To the greater measure of all of it. Praise the Lord. Now, when it says, giving thanks through him, through Christ, to Theos the Father. Something to think about here is Christ, God, is not just six foot tall on a throne in heaven, but he is everywhere. So God is not a million miles away from up in heaven, up behind the planet Jupiter in some kind of hidden corner back up in there somewhere. But he is ever-present right here inside you, throughout your house, throughout your yard, throughout the grocery store. Wherever you go, he is ever-present. Let open the rock, he is in there. Build a campfire, he is in there. Wherever you look, wherever, whatever, all places, all time. And that right there is something to think about more often and to really understand and comprehend and rely upon. Because he knows you ever thought, knows your need, knows your feelings, your disappointment, your joy. Gratitude, your praise, your worship, your doubts, your disappointment, and your flaws, your transgressions, secrets, hidden faults. Knows all these things before. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Even by number of hair on our head, number. We should be thankful for this that He is so great. He is so awesome. Amen. He's not a statue in the corner that we have to keep dusting or feeding or pretending that we're feeding. He's not a Buddha, thank God. He's not a bald, fat man, thank God. But he is awesome. He is handsome. 
He is awesome. Amen. Praise the Lord that we have such great God. And that he is worthy of all praise. He's worthy of our attention. And we should be people of prayer. Are we praying enough? Are we remembering Dawson? Are we remembering the needs of the ministry? Are we remembering the people in the MeWe group? Are we remembering all the different prayer requests and needs, both in prayer and in action? Let's go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Right there, to the right. Everything is so close today. God is so good to us. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. One Thessalonians chapter five, verse sixteen through twenty-six. One Thessalonians five, verse sixteen. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. I wonder. If these two verses could be so closely connected because of this. If we are praying constantly, that is going to cause the rejoicement. Because the peace of Christ will rule in our hearts. If we are taking everything to the Lord, giving everything to Him, that we're going to have peace and then we'll have thanksgiving and rejoicing. Amen. And remember, there was no voice, there was no verse numbers originally, and there was no separation, there was no period between these two verses. And they were not on separate lines originally. They were all just one, just one great big giant sentence. No commas, no periods, no voice, ah, verse separation at all. Rejoicing always in praying without ceasing. The rejoicing is without ceasing. The rejoice always, that is without ceasing. Amen. Living word, he's a living word. You are witnesses this day of his living word. The rejoicing is without ceasing. And so is the prayer. You can you could even translate this as rejoice without ceasing and pray always. Because it's saying the same thing about both. God is so good. Verse 18, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of Theos for you in Christ Jesus. Quench not the Spirit. Why does it say quench not? That's because the Spirit is the lake of fire. And the Bible says that the fire will not be quenched. Quench means to take water and put it out to do away with it, to seize it, to make it stop, put the end to it. And if you, you cannot quench, you cannot stop the lake of fire. However, it is possible to quench his spirit in a setting, a situation, okay? What I mean by that is, 
during worship service. If you feel the speaking of tongues coming upon you, but you hold it back and do not let it flow, do not let, if you do not allow the speaking of tongues to be overflowing from your belly, out of your mouth, bubbling up like a stream, and you hold it back, you do not let, let it flow, then you're holding back, you're damming up, you're quenching the spirit. And if God gives you a prophetic dream and it's true and it's real and you know it's from the Lord and you hold it back, you don't share it with anybody. You're quenching the spirit, you're damming up, you're blocking, you're hindering the flow of his word or his spirit or his revelation. And in worship services, if People are praising God and lifting their hands, worshiping Him, as we all should be doing. But you yourself do not do that. That can hinder the flow. Because we, each and every one of us, are a link on the chain of this body. Different toes, different fingers, different joints in this one body. And if there is oxygen, the living air, the breath, the holy breath of the Father, is flowing through every member of our body and there's a good circulation, but there is one toe where there is a blockage and there is no circulation of the holy breath. And everybody is worshiping but you, and it gets dammed up, it stops. And we can hinder, we can quench the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ. And when people do that, when people quench in whatever way that we do it, when we quench the Spirit of God in a worship service or in our lives, it affects everybody. The way it should be is that every one of us do something in decent. There is gear in the wall ministry building, I know this sign on the wall is the Bible verse. And it comes from one Corinthians fourteen. What's written on the sign on the wall here? One Corinthians fourteen. How is it been brought? When you come together, every one of you have a song, have a doctrine, have a tongue, have a revelation, have an interpretation. Let all things be done and to everyone. What that means is, is that everybody should have something to hear, something to uh, contribute to the service. One person should have a song. Another should have a doctrine or a teaching. Another one should have a tongue, speaking in tongues. Another one should have a revelation from the Lord. Another one should have an interpretation of tongues. So each thing should be somebody bringing a fish or a loaf or a drink or a song or a talent or a gift or a thanks, something to contribute. It might be that you are the person that leads the singing. It might be that you're the person that does this to see very bad. 
but not be the person, you might be the person that lights the candles or bring the Bibles in or everything listed above. You might be the person that vacuums. You might be the person that prays the most. You might be the person that takes care of the electronics. Or so many different things that a person can bring to the worship service. And we should allow people, and I do allow people, but we don't have hardly anybody here in person, so it's harder to practice. But we do allow people, we do have this practice when the opportunity presents itself, that if somebody has a dream, or a prophecy, or a tongue, or interpretation of a tongue, or a song, somebody wants to do a special song, then we let them have that. We let them do that. It shouldn't be just Pastor Tim up here preaching a sermon, and that's it. It really should not be that. It should be that, hey, Brittany has a special song today. Uh... Robert dreamed something last night. Robert read something in the Bible he wants to share with us. Uh, Brittany learned something he wants, that she wants to share with the ministry. Uh, whatever, something like that. All of this participating, not only in the setup process, but in the worship service. And that also includes the raising of hands, all of us participating in worship. And the worship does not stop when the sermon begins. But rather, we need to constantly be worshiping the Lord. So when I say something and you know the presence of the Holy Ghost is there and it excites you, raise your hand during the services. It will not distract you at all. Raise your hand or close your eyes and feel that presence of the Lord. And raise your hand, maybe. You know, follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. And if somebody starts speaking in tongues, everybody is supposed to stop speaking. Let the Holy Ghost speak. Let the Holy Ghost have prominence. And then the next person, give the interpretation or some more tongues or a song, something, and let it continue to flow. I've seen this many, many, many times in the Pentecostal churches, and it works, and it is real, and it is biblical. Every church denomination has something right, even the worst of them, has something right. And God can move in Babylon if there is somebody there that is seeking him on any level. It might be a baby level. It might be a Babylon level. It might be a very weak, watered-down, milked, whatever level but God can and I have seen it a million times. God can move within Babylon. He can speak to a donkey. He can call the most wicked. He can make take the chief of sinners and make him an apostle. God can do anything. We should not limit God. We should not tell God, you cannot do this. Do not quench the spirit. If he wants to call a woman pastor, then we can call a woman pastor because the men are not doing it. So do not limit God. Do not quench the spirit. Let God be God and give God the prominence and do your part in allowing God to move through you. Amen. Do not be the dam that blocks 
the Spirit of God. Now, we all worship in a different way. Some people shout. Some people shout 150 decimals. Some people shout 135 decimals. Some, you know what I'm saying. Don't be technical. You get my point. And some people shout only 20 decimals compared to 150 decimals. But that's okay as long as you shout and raise your hands and sing and verbalize and let it flow. A sprinkle better than a complete dam. And sometimes we have to learn how to stop damming things up and let a little sprinkle come out and then let that sprinkle grow in time each week, every month, every year until we get adjusted and accustomed to a good, really much better flow. So it's okay to start with a small But we have to learn to let the flow flow and not be damaged it up. We have to learn how to exercise our spiritual gifts. Nobody is perfect in speaking of tongues the first time, hardly, rarely. But because that's because when you're speaking in tongues, you typically do damn it up. Because you're not for sure what's coming out. You don't know what you're saying. It's strange to you, never done it before, and the carnal mind, the carnal flesh kind of just wants to mumble it up, jam it up a little bit, hold it back a little bit, and even add words to it gibberishly. That is the reality of the carnal flesh, <clears throat> the carnal mind that we have to deal with. But each time you do that, each time you allow the Spirit of God to speak through you, then there's less gibberish, more God, less you, less damning up, less interference, less hindrance, and more God and less you. You have to learn to exercise the gifts. And if you are forbidding the gifts, then it's not going to happen. So we should not forbid the We need to be thankful for the spiritual gifts of God and thankful that we do have a congregation in a ministry where the Spirit of God can move because there's so many churches, the Baptist churches, most of the Baptist churches forbid speaking in tongues, forbid people to worship and lift their hands. And the Baptist churches are typically uh, very quiet, too much reserved, and too damned up. Now, there's different denominations of Baptists, the different types of Baptists, the primitive Baptists, the missionary Baptists, the southern Baptists, this Baptist and that Baptist. So some are more active than others. But in general, the Baptist church is more damned up and dried up rather than being uh, full of the Spirit. Now it says here in verse 19, quench not the spirit, verse 20, despise not prophesying, verse 21, but prove all things carefully and hold very tight to that which is good. 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. 23, now may the Theos of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without the land. 
at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take forth is he who calls you, and he also will bring it past. Brethren, pray for us and greet all the brethren of the Holy Spirit. Because in that day and time, and even to this day in the Middle East, men will kiss each other on the cheek, left cheek, right cheek, and that's the culture and that's the custom. There's nothing wrong with that. And he, even here in the United States, I've seen parents kiss their children on the mouth, which to me is unnatural and yucky, but I've seen it done. And there's nothing wrong with it. I only think it's weird because I never saw it as a kid, never experienced it. But the older I get, the more I see that it is acceptable and it is okay and it's just the way some people act and it's acceptable in their family and their culture. And that not only with parents and their children, but we see it um, in other aspects of life. Maybe it's not coming to my mind here in a minute, maybe, maybe not. But we see it that there was less fear in some families and less fear in some cultures. Here in the United States, in modern times, and typically, well, I can't say modern times no more, but back when I was a kid and when I was in my 20s, here in the United States, men were obsessively afraid of being uh, called gay. Nobody, no man wanted to be called gay back when I was changed a lot now. But because of that, the men, heterosexual straight men, would not kiss one another on the cheek no matter what. Because they wanted to make sure that everybody knew and did not mistake them you know, for their what their sexuality was. But that shows paranoia. That shows, well, he might think I'm gay and all that stuff. That's paranoia. But Paul told the church, greet each other with a holy kiss. That wasn't just men with women and women with men. But it was part of like shaking hands or hugging, but more intimate, more intimate. And I've had at least one man that I can think of when he visited me in Canada, say, you know, this is what the Bible says to do, let's do this. And I was okay with it, he was okay with it, and it worked out. And it was not, they didn't feel wrong. It wasn't sexual. Nobody crossed the red line. But it's more intimate, and it does away with the fear. When you face your fears head on, press through it, and don't allow the fear to come in, then it does away with fear. It defeats fear. And I'm all for defeating fear and damming up the fear and quenching the fear and not allowing the fear. Amen. We should not quench love. We should not quench the spirit of God. We should not quench the intimacy of one another as a holy body. Therefore, 
I do believe that it would be good for the church to go back to this old culture, which is still modern culture in the Middle East. Remember, I've said many times before that we need to be less modern Western society thinking and more Middle Eastern thinking because we serve a Middle Eastern God, a God that is very Middle Eastern in his culture, in his ways, in his thinking. We should be more uh, Middle Eastern in our actions, in our thinking, in our culture, more uh, the way things should be. To greet all the brethren, all the brethren, with a holy gift. Quenching the fear, quenching everything that needs to be quenched, but not quenching the love of God. Let's not be paranoid, and let's not quench the love of God. Now let's go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, and let's go down to verse 14, 14 and 15. This is the last chapter of Hebrews, verse 14 and 15. Verse 14, for here we do not have a lasting city in this life that we are seeking city which is to come, the new Jerusalem. Through him, then, let us continually, that's without ceasing, always, offer us a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. <laughs> so wild <laughs> that the lips would come out after we just got talking about kissing. <laughs> We're kissing God. When we are praising him, we are. Amen. We're kissing God when we are praising him. And the praise is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Amen. We should always, without ceasing, continually offer up praise, fruit of our lips, kissing the Father. Yes, kissing the Father with our praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Giving thanks to him. God is so good. Amen. And then the next page, James 1, verse 17. James 1, verse 17. And you can also say amen. That's okay. Nothing wrong with saying amen during the worship service. James 1, 17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shifting saddle. In other words, God is purely light. Good light, total light, there's no shadow, no darkness, nothing dim in the brightness of God. And everything good, David, and every perfect gift is from above. So we should realize that when we are enjoying 
the luxuries of life and the blessings of life and the good things and the good times, always giving praise to the source of everything that was created. Now, when we think of a chair that we sit in, oh, yeah, it was made in a factory somewhere. But all the materials, the metal, the plastic, the polyester, everything comes from the earth sooner or later. Made from sand, made from cotton, made from something grown, made from something dug up that was then blended, molded, burnt, folded, however they did it, into a shape and form that it could be. Everything on this earth, everything, everything comes from something, which came from something which came from the earth. God gave it. Amen. So let's remember that the things that we use, that God was the beginning of it. God created it. And it is a blessing and a provision from God. And if we realize that, then we'll be more, have more gratitude. And we also need to remember in the Western world the blessings and promises of God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. America is not rich because of their own decision and their own ability and their own power but only because God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob their descendants through Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim would enjoy these physical blessings of riches. So we need to remember that. America is powerful and the most rich nation on earth because of the blessings upon Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim. We need to remember that on the 4th of July. We need to remember that on Thanksgiving, other times of the year. And even in Africa and other places where they're not enjoying so much the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you can still feel the gratitude and blessings of God whenever you are blessed, whenever you are enjoying good things of that day the much-needed rain, much-needed provisions when it does come. Amen. Wherever we live, there is one source of blessing, the same source. The same source, the same God that did bless America blesses the congregation in Zimbabwe, South Africa, Korea, Australia. We serve the same God. And all of us were created of one blood, Adam and Eve. We're all related. We're all brothers. We're all sisters. And we're all going to faith, judgment seat of Christ. And God is faithful. Let's give thanks and be grateful for what we have. Let's not be over-materialistic. Let's think of others and their needs, but others before ourselves. 
Let us worship more and pray more. Be thankful more. Not taking anything for granted. Thanking God for each thing within our grocery cart. Thanking God for each thing that we buy online. Thanking God for every source of income. Thanking God for every good thing that comes our way. And even when we suffer, thanking God for that suffering because that it would toughen us or test us in some way or some form. Paul said that he rejoiced in his sufferings and trials and tribulations because those things did toughen him up, test him, and made for sure that he would stay with the Lord despite all odds, despite anything that would come against him. He would stay faithful to the Lord. We should be thankful for our trials and suffering that test us and shape us. All of these things will give testimony to the Lord. You can stand and give a testimony during worship services and thank the Lord for what he has done and what you've gone through and what he has brought you through. And I'm going to start trying to do that more often. Don't have a large congregation that where two or three is gathered is in our midst. Giving people opportunity to testify or sing or prophesy or whatever that the Lord leads you in. So is there anybody here, Brittany or Brother Robert, that needs to stand and do whatever the Lord's put on your heart? Is there any of that today? I got a special song to sing. Has anybody got true prophecy from the Lord that God gave you this week or sometime? I got a true prophecy. Okay, let's say it. Nice and loud, as loud as you can. So Brittany uh, praises God and gives thanks that she's able to sit up during the entire services twice in a row now, uh, which she was not able to do for such a long time after her knee surgery. God thanks for that and praise for that. Any other testimony or giving of thanks? heart is pounding, let it flow instead of damning it up. Mind 
hard. Examining anything up, do not damage. So I'll start trying to remember this each week to give that opportunity. I used to do that, try to back and not have it. Hopefully, I'll try to get it. And remind everybody that tomorrow is Pentecost. So we've got less than 24 hours to go as we count down. Brother Robert was really good at uh, keeping track, counting down, better than I was on that. Praise the Lord. Now we got less than 24 hours. Sunrise, early tomorrow morning, and it will be Pentecost. Praise the Lord that he has uh, given a revelation that will be a new teaching uh, for the ministry and will be adding on to a article. Uh, so we look forward to the revelation of the Lord tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock in the morning Eastern time, uh, that we'll be doing that. Uh, we're going to have pot roast, beef, pot, beef pot roast, right across pot right tonight. And we'll eat as soon as uh, the services are done tomorrow. The pot roast will be done by then, so they're doing tonight. Carrots and onions and uh, got any salary, put that in there too, some of it. And potatoes, fill that crock pot full and overflowing. Let that thing overflow, honey, because I'm going to be eating, eating, eating after the service. And if we have to fix two crock pots, that's fine too. I'm going to stay with that if we got it. And uh, same thing to say, Robert. But he is thankful for all the music that is new to him since he went out the ministry or since uh, Jesus brought him to the ministry. All the music and enjoying and other clients. So praise the Lord for that. And we're thankful for the new congregation in Zimbabwe. Praising the Lord for that. Giving the Lord thanks for our new brothers and sisters in Zimbabwe. Special announcement, I will be uh, ordaining uh, maintenance as deacon uh, next next seventh day. Uh, I don't know if we're going to broadcast that or not. I'm depending on it, but it just came to mind. Maybe we might. Let's see. Uh, probably won't broadcast it because of the technical difficulties in the connection in here in Zimbabwe. But nevertheless, uh, having that ordaining ceremony next day uh, with me ordaining him as deacon of the church and to be our very first uh, deacon in Zimbabwe or, uh, and also our very first deacon in all of Africa. So that's exciting. And some more baptisms coming up there soon after that. God willing, hopefully. And maybe even some more uh, ordaining. Well, we're going to see the, the church flourish. We're going to see the church flourish in Africa. Pray for our congregation bring us in South Africa as well. Borders in Zimbabwe and in the Philippines and Australia. Yeah. 
by watching all the places in America, Canada, and Mexico. Pray for increase in the remnant. Pray for increase in this. Pray for one another. Be more thankful than before. Making nothing but in vain. And we need to be thankful for every sermon. Uh, not every sermon will touch you the same as other sermons. Some sermons will be more profound. Uh, but you got to remember that this congregation, the sermons go out to different groups and different people. Some people are much younger in the Lord. Some people are much older in the Lord. Are new. Some people are not. So there's different needs. But not every sermon is going to be like, wow, that was a revelation from the Lord. Not every sermon is going to be the same. So many different people need different So we have to learn how to appreciate every sermon, what it is for the entire congregation, that it will be different members of the body and still being appreciative for the Word of God, even when it's not something extremely profound to you, even when it's something that's not necessarily one of the major things you need to work on, but still appreciating that the Word of God is going forth. You also need to be thankful for uh, food, even when it's not the most delicious. Because us Americans are so spoiled, and we need, in the Great Tribulation, to be eating plants that we're not accustomed to during the Great Tribulation, plants and foods and animals that we would not normally That would be a provision of the lesson during that day and that time. So we are going to have to work on adjusting our taste buds and our stomach and what we're able to digest. Um, any other things are mentality. When we get into the tribulation, we're really going to have a great transition. Much different. But we do need to learn how to be content in whatever circumstance. Have little. And can we have things that are we have to do a whole lot more experimentation. Eating snakes, eating birds, eating different things that we would never eat before. When it comes to survival, when it comes to staying alive, eating things that we would never We're so spoiled. I'm sure my grandparents and your great 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 parents, they would have looked at that possum and, and that raccoon and that snake and they would have said, What a wonderful beast. They would have really been appreciative of that food and not turned their head away from it. So we need to return to the old path, the Bible says, return to the old 
That's an old way. We need the tribulation. We need the tribulation. There are two oil spots. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's tomorrow morning. Happy Pentecost. Amen. Happy Pentecost. All this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, don't the Word of God make you feel better? I feel better. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.